I'm Chris, and with me is Matt, and we're slowing down, talking to the people around us between the miles. Matt, I am so pumped for today's guest. Uh, you know, um, talk about dressed to impress. Um, tell us about today's guest, Justin Shaw. Yeah, so Chris, I'm I'm equally as excited to get the two of you connected because I think you're you'll probably learn there's a lot of crossovers in the types of work that you guys are doing in, in the community. But you know, Justin Shaw, right? Like people know him from Shaw's Covenant. Um, I think he's got a tremendous uh, messaging right on social media. But uh, to be able to break down and get to learn uh, more about him on a personal level, uh, he's a a husband, a father, and a community leader that I think uh, is going to bring a lot to the conversation for for us and our guests today. Most definitely, most definitely. And so uh, uh, we hope you guys are excited to meet Justin because this conversation is just jam-packed full of big stuff, big vision, big pictures. And so without further ado, here is Justin Shaw. All right, uh, we are here with Justin Shaw today. And uh, for those of you that don't know Justin, um, he is, uh, I gotta tell you, probably the best dressed man in Baltimore. He is, uh, and you gotta correct me if I'm wrong, man, like tailor to the, to the Baltimore stars. And at the same time, just making huge, huge waves. Uh, in the Baltimore community with, um, you know, the Baltimore uh, initiative, correct? Yes, that is correct. <laughs> awesome, man. How are you today? Hey, man, I'm just living and loving. I thank you and uh, Chris for having me on here. It's definitely a privilege, uh, especially working with gentlemen such uh, as your caliber. <laughs> yeah, I, I, listen, we we appreciate having you on here. And, and obviously, you know, you and I have cross paths um, professionally a, a couple of times, and and as as you know, our, our listeners don't see this. You know, I, I've 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 seen all of your stuff on social media, and I, I know I reached out as as kind of a fanboy, uh, so to speak. But I just really appreciate the the messaging that you have been thrown out there into the community, not just based on what you do for work, but really helping people almost on a personal level you, you know do you have anything to add in terms of you know just being a content creator and the and then and that type of message messaging yeah and so i hope i answer this right um and so i i know that i sell suits and i make shirts and everything but what i love to do is really curate an experience for every individual that i encounter one of my models in life is make everything an experience because without experiences, there's nothing to remember or hold value to, right? So I say, yes, I make suits, I make shirts, but my real objective and goal is to be able to make transformation out of that entire process, right? So whether that's, yes, you're putting on the suit, but it also builds your confidence, your self-esteem, you'll have pride behind it, and you're gonna be, you're not gonna be afraid to attack the marketplace. So when I do, when I do what I do, it's more so of a transformation-based opportunity for people rather than just to look good of course that's the the byproduct of it and it makes life a lot easier when you look good when you're doing things because i remember i was reading or listening to a what was it a podcast i, was, I think i was listening to a podcast a few years ago the top salesmen in the world are always dressed apart 
They aren't wearing just anything casual. They're not in their polos and their khakis. They are top producers wearing professional clean garments, which are typically suits. And so I understood that and I respected that. And you know, yes, we have the Jeff Bezos and the and the Mark Zuckerbergs and all those people that they, they are big fanboys of the, the polo and the khaki. They made it. <laughs> we're working our way up there. So we're in the prove it space where we have to identify ourselves as titans in the marketplace, whether you're in the nonprofit sector, you're in the for-profit sector. Uh, so when it comes to curating content, I want to make sure that it's empowering rather than it just being like, hey, I'm wearing a suit. I want it to be, I want you to be able to see the solution past the suit uh, because that's what the real value is. And that's how I ended up becoming the gentleman I am today. Mm. Well, I, lo- I love that that messaging, right? Like creating this experience and, and tailoring it, right? It, and And what really stood out to me was, right, we've made it, right? The Bezoses and all that type of stuff. Oh, you know, we can do whatever we want with the, the polos and stuff like that. But talk to me about that mindset, maybe even just taking us back to your story, like leading up to Shaw's Covenant, right? Because mm-hmm. that made it strategy is something that everyone's working towards. And I think our, our guests would just really appreciate to know where you're coming from. Yeah. So um, for people that don't know, I am young, so I'm going to be going uh, as far as back as high school. I'm 26, <laughs> so I don't have that much experience in life as of yet. But um, back in high school, I really didn't have that much self-esteem or that much personality. I was really reserved. and uh, You wouldn't notice me in the room, even though I'm 6'5". I'm just kind of pushing the bag, just trying to stay secluded. Um, but as I started to grow a little bit older, once I got into what is it called upper class, you know, junior, senior, I started hanging out with individuals that were wearing some nice clothes. So I was like, okay, let me step out and get something like from H&M that's a suit or Express or something like that. But like I said, I'm 6'5". So if I did get it and I wanted a slim fit, it looks like I got on a a suit that has short sleeves (laughs) or it's going to be too baggy and it's long enough. So it was it was no in between for me. So when I transitioned to college. Um, I started to really take pride in what I was wearing because I'm like, look, this is a new space. This is where I can remodel myself. I can remold myself for whatever my destiny is, quote unquote. And so when I stepped into college, I'm like, you know, the one thing that I can't control is how I look, because if we're in a place where we're here to grow and learn, that's what I want to look like I'm ready to do. And so even though I wasn't the greatest college student, everybody on campus respected me because they said that I was dressed accordingly at all times. I even won an award for best dressed on the campus my freshman year. (laughs) So um, fast forward a little bit, I ended up joining network marketing. Uh, That kind of started my professional career with my brother. And so I'm exposed to all these multimillionaires and all these people, affluent individuals that are wearing custom suits. So, you know, you go from a campus of college students where H&M is the thing, (laughs) and then you go to network marketing and you see all these guys that are wearing custom suits and they have these crazy things where they have different patches of color all over the suit, not just, you know, it's one color. It, it, it was insane to me. So I was starting to step out of my shell a little bit and kind of have a little bit more confidence. But I remember my brother pulling me to the side. He said, Justin, I love you, but if you're going to be hanging with us, you cannot be wearing that. <laughs> so <laughs> he ended up treating me to my first custom shirt. And that's kind of like where it all changed. And that's where like that evolution piece uh, came in, came about because I'm probably about 20 years old, 19 or 20 years old. And now I'm actually going into dealerships and like BMWs and Mercedes. I'm not afraid to ask the test drive your, your N6 and your, 
your eight series and all these other different things. And they actually think I'm qualified <laughs> to, to drive these things. Right. Or we'll go and um, view a multi-million dollar property. And, you know, they gave me respect when I was in that space because I was dressed apart. And so even though I know I couldn't afford that stuff right there, it, it helped me elevate my perspective because one, they showed me the respect when I was in those spaces, but two, I'm in a space I haven't been in before and i'm like this is out here this is an opportunity for me to acquire these things so what i use is my image is leverage for opportunity right so like when i go to places now like the bygone or you know the center club or any of these high profile places in baltimore i i naturally my my image demands respect and people respect it and they also want to get to know me a little bit more and I really, it, it speaks for itself. I don't have to, when I go networking, I don't have to introduce myself. Someone is more willing to come up to me and say, wow, you're sharp. What do you do? And now at that point, I'm talking to them more about who they are and what they do and see how I can help them out. But it's really my image that attracted them. And I guess, you know, there's more to it outside of that. But the confidence that is breeding from the image that really helps that at the same time, too. And so, it's, it's something that didn't happen overnight. It was something that built up over time that kind of, even if I wore casual clothes now, I know what I'm capable of. I know that I'm, you know, able to aspire, inspire, and make impact in the community any way possible. So even though people say that the, the clothes don't make the man, it, it sure helps build them up. I say it enhances who you are. So that's my philosophy. <laughs> well, and I appreciate that. You know, for me, um, like I love shoes and um, unfortunately the type of work I do doesn't always fit the budget that I would want for shoes. And so I've gone through different periods because uh, just as you know, I, I believe that you can learn a lot about a person by the shoes that they wear. Right. Cause it talks about where they've been, what kind of work and, and everything like that. But I want to kind of go back to um, you know, one thing that we, we've talked about this with some previous guests and, and that's the whole imposter syndrome sort of thing. Right. But what I'm hearing from you is you kind of put on the suit, and you didn't necessarily felt like an imposter. You felt like it unleashed who you truly are. Am I hearing that correct? Yes, that is it. Absolutely. Um, I got this book. So I was listening to Bigger Pockets a couple of weeks ago. And um, what's his name? Oh, my gosh. The top real estate agent that, you know, you see on a million dollar listing, um, Ryan Sir Sirhan, right? And he wrote this book called Big Money Energy. And so what it's talking about is he, he, he's not faking it till he makes it. He says he knows exactly who he is. He's just developing into that individual. And so when he so showed like his first property, his first million dollar property, he didn't tell them that that was his first million dollar property. He just sold it like he knew everything that he was doing because he was confident behind it. So it's not really faking it till you make it. It's kind of just believing who you are, who you're going to be and trying to be that person today rather than faking it and saying, no, I make a million dollars or, hey, no, I'm this big ha head honcho. It's believing who you are or who you're going to be and being that person now. Because in order to go to that person, you had to have the belief to get there, right? So I don't believe in fake it till you make it. It, it. This helped me become that person after I was able to feel it because I knew future Justin would dress like this. He would talk like this. So I naturally became that person. I was being who I knew I was supposed to be. Yeah, no, I, I, I can really appreciate that because, you know, it is it is one of those things where I think people are afraid to, to be someone who they're not. But it, it, it's totally clear that, like, this is who you are and it, and, and it amplifies it in, in such a such a good way. Well, 
you know, and, and if I could add to that, I, you know, I don't even know that it's, you know, being someone like, cause I, I listen, I, I identify with all, all the things that you guys are talking about right now, but I think Justin, what I'm connecting with is, you know, if, if you give yourself permission to have a big enough vision, it allows you to grow into and become the person that you envision being right. So it's not actually like untrue to yourself. And, and this is where I think I'm taking it away from you. It's, it's not necessarily imposter syndrome, but Chris is also not wrong because how many people, right? Like fake it till they make it or whatever it is. It sounds like you just had or have a vision, right? For what you're looking to create around you, whether it's personally, professionally, family, right? All these things. Can you just speak a little bit on that vision and, and what you've been casting? And, and listen, man, you said, oh, I'm just 26, right? Like, that right in in and of itself i mean you know people would say oh this guy's you know well beyond his years or or not but the reality is is you have a vision and that vision is driving who you're becoming and so talk a little bit about that yeah you know what matt i don't think i could have said that any better like that kind of motivated me right there <laughs> right because no one's ever put it like that and so I'm actually in that space right now where my vision just kind of since the last time we talked, which was literally like a week and a half ago or two weeks, my vision has like expanded to something so enormous that I'm absolutely afraid of it. But naturally, because of the fact that I know I'm supposed to go out there and do this, obviously, I'm a man of faith. I feel that God called me to go to that space and gave me that vision. So I'm like, it's my responsibility to grow into it, right? And so for me, you know, it's, it's humility because I'm like, you know, I didn't create this vision, it was given to me. And now I'm like, it's my job to go out there and create it. So I kind of eliminate the excuse of being, I think I said it the other day, like I, I can't be selfish and not going after it because someone's watching me, right? And I mean, I have a son now. Uh, if, I, if I know this is the vision that I'm supposed to go after, and I'm too afraid to go after it. What is my son going to think when he grows old, older and, you know, he has this vision, but he's like, well, you know, my father decided to not go and do what he was supposed to do because he's a little afraid of it. And so having the, the audacity to chase after that big vision is what real fulfillment is, right? Uh, because when I first started my business, which was in 2017, I had, I always knew I was going to start this business. Uh, since the end of 2015 and I started in 2017 and so I remember going to work in 2017 and my friend had called me and asked me advice on um, how to start like a retail clothing brand she wanted to make um, what is it called jumpers or something like that <laughs> um, overalls or something like like new overalls anyway that's besides the point um and so i was giving her the whole layout i'm like you got to do this you got to get your llc you need to get your e-commerce brand whatever whatever it is you need to make sure that you wholesale and you do this and then that you price this at this 2.0 markup 3.0 markup if it's this much you need to make it this much you need to be able to brand you need to do da -da 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 -da. like i threw up on her for like an hour on my way to work <laughs> and so after i hung up and i got behind my cubicle i was like holy crap justin you know exactly what you're supposed to do, but you have not committed to going out and getting like executing your vision. So how can you go out there and tell somebody else exactly what to do if you haven't done this yet? And so that's when I had that conversation. I was like, I have nothing to lose in all the game right now. I'm 22 years old. If I fail and screw up, 
by the time I'm 25, I'm in $10,000 worth of debt. So be it. You know, I, we spend all that money on college <laughs> too. So why should not bet myself, bet on myself through that time frame, right? And so as soon as I made that verbal commitment and, you know, I knew I meant it, I was granted $1,000 just randomly about 30 seconds later, just getting a phone call and it was like, boom. And so I was like, you know what, to, to, to kind of summarize the whole story, I was like, I'm going to go ahead and start Shaw's Covenant. And literally I'd said that in June, I launched it September. And then I said I was going to fast that first 30 days because I knew the person that I was before I started the business and the person I wanted to become or be as I was building this business because I knew it was supposed to be big. It's supposed to be world-renowned. It's supposed to be huge. It's a household name. So I said, I can't be the same person I once was because I've only gotten this far because of who I am. So I fasted 30 days in and ended up leaving my full-time job because of that. And so I really think it speaks volumes to what you said about uh, how the vision kind of pushes you to become that person that you want to be because you can't be, you have to be somebody different to get to a different place, right? You've gotten where you are based off of who you are today. So you have to evolve and develop and transform over an extended period of time and be a big being committed to becoming a student of wherever you want to go. So Matt, you put that in beautiful words. <laughs> I'm going to write that down. So, you know, I, I, I'm loving this conversation about vision, right? And the fact that it was clear you had that, that moment after talking to your friend and then the affirmation of that with the thousand dollars that came in. But we, we also know, um, you know, with vision and, and, and believing that it comes from God, right? Um, that there has to be that faith. So who are people um, in your life or where, how was that nurtured growing up? Um, Cause I mean, that's going to take time and that's going to take people influencing and pouring into you. So who are some of the people that poured into you to have that confidence, to have that assurance that, you know, this is, this is God, this is vision, this is faith pouring into you. Yeah. So when I grew up and I always tell people this, um, it, it's never, it's not ever a benefit to grow up without a father. Uh, but I always use opposition as opportunity. And so without having that person to just go directly to, I seeked it everywhere from every gentleman that I knew that I aspired to be. Because, you know, not one man has everything that you want, right? And so I took bits and pieces of all the men that I knew, um, whether it was in business, whether it was in church, whether it was, um, you know, family, like all these different aspects and kind of cultivated that into I believe what they believe in that space. How can I make this my own? And they naturally kind of came together. So growing up, I looked up to my brother. He was a businessman thick and through. He was systems oriented with everything. There was a reason for everything, right? So when I joined network marketing, I went with him everywhere he went. I learned how to talk in, in terms of like presentations, how to train, how to recruit, how to sell, like all these things. I learned that from him. When it came to style, I actually learned that through college, through close friends, and then also through network marketing at the same time, too, because all of them were just dressed apart. When it came to family, I also looked at my brother. I also looked at a gentleman uh, by the name of Abu, which was in network marketing, too. He was a family man. Like, you just want to be, his family's like perfect, <laughs> right? And, and, our, uh, and, and from our perspective. And then I also looked at my pastor and his family life, and I'm like, I want to make sure that I'm wholesome. I'm not just this big corporate guy that I'm just the shark wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> like, I don't care about anything else. I want a million dollars and I want it today, right? So, and then of course, from faith, it came from my pastor and individuals at our church. 
And so what I did was I just cultivated all of these different belief systems into me. So if I believe, you know, if this random person, I love their business acumen, but I hate their family dynamic, I was like, what business uh, philosophies can I take to them, but also implement it to where it's cohesive with that family philosophy that I want. And so, like you said, it definitely took a certain amount of time. And by the time that I left school, I was only doing my full-time job and I was in church two, three times a week. And I was um, doing network marketing. I kind of had like all that, that, you know, the five people that you look up to in my circle. And I naturally kind of developed into that to the point where I'm like, you know what, if they're willing to take a risk, I can take this risk too. Especially when they have family on the line. I'm just one guy living in my mother's basement at the time. <laughs> so I don't have nearly as much to lose compared to them. And so that's how like I was able to cultivate this identity of who I am and uh, build the brand that we've been able to build and kind of have a solid foundation of saying that this wasn't me at all, but you know, it's, it's something that the community helped me build that this isn't, I'm not the face of the brand, the people that are in my suits are that I'm a man of faith. And that's how I was able to build this entire thing. Right. Um, because when you get to certain spaces and you get to certain levels, that stuff can get to your head. And I don't ever want that to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Justin, there's so much baked into what you said. And I had a couple of thoughts. Um, the first is right. And this is kind of going back a little bit to our conversation, but you know, uh, if you're, if you're not a, like, if, if you don't get that discomfort or that fear from the goals, they're not big enough right. and they don't give you the space to grow into it. And so you've got to get uncomfortable or you got to get comfortable with the uncomfortable during that process. And right. so like so much wisdom baked into there from you and, and, you know, as we were talking about a week and a half ago, you know, the other thing that you've started to really become is at least through my perception is you're starting to become one of those five people for other people. And I think it's maybe this is again, just perception, but it's probably what, you know, drew you to the Baltimore initiative and and them to you right vice versa there there was there was something there that they saw the impact that you were making um and you saw the mission that they were on so can you tell us maybe even a little bit about you know how that connection came about why it's so important to you and um and just what it is that you know the mission that you guys are on yeah, absolutely. So the Baltimore Initiative is a nonprofit that uh, focuses on engaging with young African-American men, uh, teaching them about civic engagement, leadership, politics, and everything like that. Because, you know, through the world that we've been living in, unfortunately, there have been a lot of different things that have happened where, you know, to be transparent, there, some odds are against us, right? There, We've just been dealt the wrong cards. And I know through that through personal experience, right? Uh, but fortunately for myself, I kind of had like the mindset to go out and find those individuals uh, through some, you know, lucky <laughs> stance that I was able to go out there and do that and have that perspective. Uh, but, you know, when you're lost, it's really hard to kind of get yourself into that space. Um, I had a foundation of faith, which helped me get to that place, but not everybody has that. And so I feel like it's my obligation to kind of pay it forward, because if I if I found so many individuals that were able to just kind of selflessly 
helped me grow into these spaces without asking for a dime, I feel like I owe that back to, uh, you know, the youth in our community. And so what we do is every single month, we go out there and educate them on different uh, places, I mean, different avenues of life, whether it's finances, if it's family, if it's education, if it's politics, like we've had meetings with Brandon Scott, and we've also done um, some things with uh, Corey McRae and his wife, uh, Miss McRae, and they've spoke to the uh, young men as well, too. We talked to them about finances. Um, next, what is it? Next month, they're actually supposed to be going out back into the community now that COVID is kind of uplifted and, you know, donate food to the homeless people and go out there and clean up the community and things like that to the, the, the goal is to instill leadership inside of them and taking responsibility of your community uh, because there are so many people out there that kind of just follow mindlessly, but we need a lot more leaders there. Um, so it always starts with you. You know, we can always blame everybody else for everything, but it starts with you to be able to create that change. And so that's why I felt so empowered to, you know, partner up with them. Um, it's kind of funny how I stumbled on it because I always wanted to be a part of an organization like that. But I was in a space where I was reading this book. Which one was it? It was John Maxwell. I believe it was 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. I think it was that one. Yeah, because I was going to a space in my business where I was like, I'm um, I'm building out and I'm, I'm building a team. And I said, if I want to be able to lead the right way, I need to have the knowledge on how to. I don't want to be a boss. I want to be a leader because they're two different things. And you can't just have the title without the skill set to do that. And so when I was reading the book, it said you can test your real level of leadership uh, by working with a nonprofit organization because no one is being forced to work with you. <laughs> so I was like, that's a good idea. So I looked for a certain initiative that I can partner with that I had the same values with and I found the initiative and I talked to the executive directors and started working with them. And then fortunately I was able to become the board president. And so, you know, we were able to create a strategic plan for them on how we can build it out over the next two to three years, um, how we can hold each other accountable and get this nonprofit to the next level. Uh, Cause j just last night we had probably between 60 to 80 people at our game night uh, where we raised a lot of money um at blue pit barbecue um and i mean it was jam-packed it was it was fun i mean it was if you ever played mafia if you never played mafia you need to go learn it that's a side point because i just love that game but anyway real quick so the first time i ever met my my wife's extended family mm -hmm. right we had this house out and they, they rented a house out in saint michael's They're like oh just come out whenever you want to come out come hang with us and the very first night, there's like 20 people in this living room who I've never met before. And, and they introduced me to Mafia. Oh. And, and A, my mind was blown. B, I'm super competitive. So I'm like sitting there in the room. I'm like, okay, how competitive should I be? How competitive should I not be? Should I make fun of people? Should I throw them off the scent? Because I'm just literally meeting like her entire extended family. We were only dating for a short period of time. So anyway, you know, I digress. <laughs> but but the fact of the matter is, is like this game night. So how many events are is, uh, you know, are you guys doing with the initiative? Like if people wanted to take part in in, you know, getting involved or things like that, like, you know, what, what are you guys doing? And 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 like how often right now? Yeah. So specifically in terms of engaging with the youth, we probably have about 10 to 15 youth that we see 
every single month on a uh, monthly basis. We meet with them every Saturday, not every Saturday, every first Saturday of the month to do some form of an activity. Um, then we also are building out the actual individual mentorship program where, you know, they won't just see us on a monthly basis, but we'll have somebody kind of allocated specifically to certain use to stay connected and attached to them. Because, you know, it's one thing to learn something in a group setting, but to have a relationship and rapport with some of these individuals, it means a lot more because, you know, you can go into a classroom and have a great time. But if you have one on one with your professor, or your teacher, you build a relationship and uh, some form of accountability and the yearning to grow right so we want to be able to put that into play um as far as fundraisers the, i don't want to say this sporadic but they they happen occasionally um but also we're looking for volunteers all the time in terms of like we want to build out the curriculum for them we want to have an outreach program where we can have somebody going out there actively uh finding different programs and partnerships that we can make that collaborate whether it's to build up you know fundraising uh capital or if it's for us to have an event in their space or anything like that to kind of get the name out there so we can also make more impact and uh, attract more young men to the program itself. So, you know, they can always reach out to me and then, you know, we can connect with the executive directors to see exactly, um, you know, where the value can be added. Cause you know, we have communications and all the, we have so many different committees that are, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a full steam ahead with so many different moving parts. So. If you have a skill set in something, we could definitely utilize it. So with, um, you know, like one of the things that it says on the website is building, uh, you know, or amplifying the Baltimore community, right? And, and so I was kind of curious, and I know that's the whole organization coming together to, to use that word Baltimore community. But when you think about Baltimore community and amplifying that and bringing it and elevating it to where it needs to be, like what because you're a man of big vision, right? I want to hear this from you. Like when you hear Baltimore community in its heyday, doing what it's supposed to do, like what, what are some of the things that come to mind? Okay, so I'll tell you this because when I tell you like, I was telling Matt just a second ago, like it's just gotten so big, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, I'll start off with saying, oh God, there's so much. Um, because the vis my vision is even surpassed just Baltimore. Baltimore is where it's starting, but it's it's going much greater. So I'll tell you one of the the it may be a selfish vision, uh, but you know I know that it would add value to Baltimore. I've always had this vision of recreating like the Renaissance in Baltimore, right? Because it, now I, we have beautiful spaces in Baltimore, but people look at it more so just kind of like a you know, a horrible place for whatever reason, right? We're not really known for anything anymore outside of good crabs, good seafood, the Baltimore Ravens, and that's probably about as far as it extends, right? And so for me, I aspire to be able to create almost, you know, we have Harbor East. I want to almost create like an entertainment space in Baltimore, like an entire row where you have your, your radio shows, you have your theaters, you have your, your speakeasy places, you have your jazz bars, your poetry bars, your, your beautiful restaurants. Like uh, like I said, my motto is to create everything into an experience. And of course, a beautiful shopping experience paired with that, right? And so, you know, Harbor East has done a good job of doing that, but I also want something that's a little bit more entertaining. Like it, you had the hotels over there, you had the restaurants and that's, 
about and you have the, the boats and everything that, and that's about as far as it goes i want the actual entertainment space to come back to baltimore so like how we've heard that top golf is coming to baltimore near the casino that's great uh, I, you just I, I just truly envision i was walking down the street last month and so when i usually get frustrated at work in the clubhouse where i do my work i uh, go for a walk straight down to the harbor and then i was walking and you know I'm in a suit and then everybody isn't. And I'm like, what if I can change the standard? <laughs> what if I was able to make it almost like a lifestyle for people to love and enjoy dressing up in a professional manner? Because naturally it elevates the space that you're in, right? You carry yourself a little bit different. You carry yourself a little bit different. You talk a little bit different. You walk different. You're, you're a little bit more professional and you're more open to networking with other individuals. And so I'm just imagining, I'm like, I can just, every time I walk through the city, I'm just like, I can rebuild this. I can buy this and just make it even greater than what it is. I can make this from a C-class property to an A-class property. I can really develop this community into something. And I know that it's not something I can only do, but I know that if, you know, with the right collaborations and whether it's with politicians and real estate developers and different entities that I know are like entertainment hubs, they can be able to create that same atmosphere here without compromising the real integrity of Baltimore. And so it's just, it's. Yeah. Well, well, it, it takes those types of visions to create, collaborate uh, or create, you know, stronger communities, right? Find the right people to collaborate with. And what I love about when I, when I hear a big vision that is like, I'm, I'm, I'm just sitting here and I'm, my, my thoughts like, wow, like I would love the blues to be here in Baltimore. Like how, how, how do we not have that? Right. They're, like we've got this East coast, um, you know, uh, yearning for music, right? Like it's like you have New York city and that's kind of it. Like DC's done a little bit or, or whatever it might be. So I love that. Right. But bringing it back to the community, right. Bringing it back to the Baltimore initiative, because I see that as your vision. What are some of the ways that you're seeing through the initiative that we can start to strengthen our communities again? Right. Cause I love, I love this vision of creating the, like, like recreating the Renaissance, recreating an entertainment district. But I, you know, if I'm understanding the mission correctly, right. The Baltimore initiative specifically is, is like very civic. It's, it's getting people involved in like, voting, being leaders, right? Like all these different things. So what are maybe two or three things that you, you guys are focused on right now to start building people up, to start building strong communities? Right. And so I appreciate you for bringing me back down. Because <laughs> once I start hearing no, you're stuff, good. I'm just like, woo, right? Um, but some of the things, we're, we're keeping it really simple right now because we're just transitioning back from the everything is online uh, through Zoom. Um, so that was, I don't want to say it was a barrier, but when you're working with younger individuals, it's very, very, very complicated to hold their attention <laughs> in a space where it's just you, the screen and then there are 10, 15 other kids there, right? Um, so the way that we've kind of done it as of right now is through Zoom and through being able to curate those relationships with like the politics. We're, we're kind of trying to expose them that it's possible, right? So they can see individuals like Corey McRae that have been able to, he was uh, uh, in, what is it called? Plumbing and everything like that. But now he's a politician that's actually making active change in the community and teaching them about the different districts and the policies and everything like that. 
to educate them on not just, you know, look at it when it's voting time. You need to be able to know you can address your local politician when you see a problem, whether it's if it's, hey, the bus doesn't come in my area anymore. We need to contact our politician to say, hey, we need this done and we need help for it. We're really trying to teach them that there are other ways to communicate their problems and, you know, kind of just acting out for attention for it. Right. Because if you don't know what they need, then then you can't solve the problem. Right. So being able to have that kind of relationship where they know that they can connect with people that are, you know, in position to make a difference. Uh, that's one big thing. Also creating relationships, knowing that there are other ways to have conflict resolution. Because that's another thing that we uh, talk about in so many different aspects, because they weren't educated on how to resolve conflict. Typically, it's through violence. I mean, unfortunately, to, to say it is that in the communities that they're from, but being able to teach them how to assess a conflict and how to kind of make it subside and kind of come to a compromise and understanding of each other's perspective to help them have that emotional intelligence to make those decisions. Uh, so it's, it's really almost like cleaning up internally before we clean up externally. Um, and that's where it really starts because we have to be leaders in our community. And of course, you know, we're educating them on, on voting and knowing who you're voting for way before <laughs> it's time to vote. Because, you know, so many times we go to the poll and it's like, okay, who is this person? <laughs> like, be educating yourself on that and also the laws that are basically being voted for when you're going to vote because you'll see something about a, a housing act and you're like well i've never heard about this before and then so you have voters that are aimlessly just almost doing it like in school when we had multiple choice we're like the answer's always see <laughs> and that's not something that's helpful and i was a victim to that when i first voted for the first time when i was like 18 i'm like holy crap what is all this i thought i was just voting for either Obama or McCain. I, I didn't know there was more than that. I don't know who my uh, uh, general attorney, our attorney is, our, you know, all, all those different things. So it's kind of starting with the education piece and then we're going to be out there actively in the community implementing it and having them out there implement it into their own communities and being the leaders inside of their schools uh, for their, their neighborhoods and everything like that. So it's almost like, planting seeds into these spaces because we know it's going to take time to curate that to the point where now you have Park Heights, which was once a very dangerous uh, community, and we come into this vibrant place after 15, 20 years of us cultivating these relationships with these young people because it's easier to change and mold a young person's mind compared to somebody that's already in, in their set ways. And we all know that. So that's how we see its value to kind of touch with the, the youth before really, you know, trying to change someone else that's already set in their way, per se. Yeah, and I, I can appreciate that on so many different levels. I mean, first, um, one thing that, as you were talking, that resonated with me is I was having a conversation with a few friends um, the other day about hopelessness, right? And, um, and I think we feel hopeless when we feel helpless, right? When we feel like we do not have the tools or the resources to, to move forward, and it sounds like that's what you guys are providing are those tools, are those resources, and, and therefore that curates hope. And I think that's in, huge. And I love, um, you know, that you guys are investing in young people as a, as a youth minister, you know, and, and someone who in, in invests himself in, in young people. I think it's so important to show them the bigger picture and show them how they can get started now, right? 
it's kind of like what you're saying. Don't wait till the poll or, or to election day to decide who you're going to vote on or what decisions you're going to make. Start looking at things around you now to help you grow in that area. Um, and, and so that's huge. And and so I, I'm, I'm going to go at risk of um, unleashing your big vision again. So um, as you work with these young people, like what are some of the the and maybe you haven't seen them yet, maybe you have, what, what are some of the big visions that you're seeing or some of the fruit that you're seeing that is, is coming from um, the, the initiative? Like uh, some of the maybe um, young leaders who are emerging or, you know, just uh, again, the, the, the fruits of your guys' labor. Yeah, so I did, so I, I will also say that I officially joined the initiative in April. Uh, so I, I haven't seen everything right and it's and I'm primarily on the board I'm actually getting active inside you know the monthly engagement as well too so I've met the the, uh, the kids probably two three times but I was on mute and you know the other individuals were talking to him but there was one individual and I can't remember his name that really stuck out he was 15 years old uh, he has like a 4.0 and he has a full-time job and he's actively, I remember on both calls between Corey McRae and then his wife, because they had two separate calls, he got their contact information so he could reach out for a scholarships uh, to have the ability to intern in certain locations because he wants to be an engineer. And he, he knew the value of networking at a young age, which was really surprising to me i'm like wow I, I didn't know like so like in, in my when i was 15 you know i was just worried about call of duty <laughs> after i got out of school i wanted to i wanted to snipe somebody that doesn't sound that great but you know it, that, that was my story right uh, but he was actively out there with a full-time job a full-time student at 4.0 at, at polytechnic institute even though i'm a city college graduate i can still respect him <laughs> for where he is um, but that the fact that he also had these networks of people that he was building that were people like 15, 20, 30 years older than him, because that's where I started once I got out of college. I didn't hang out with individuals that were my age because they were still partying. They were still having a good time. Nothing wrong with that. Enjoy your life. But I quickly understood if I wanted to get somewhere in life, I had to seek help from those that have already went the path that I took. And for him to be able to identify that at 15, and have all these different things in place, I was like, wow. <laughs> so that's that's one example of where I've already seen the fruits of what the initiative has done for uh, the youth. Because he's been with the program, I believe, like three years now. So I know we had a part to play in that. Mm. Yeah. And and so it's as I'm hearing the story, of, um, you know, it's it's kind of hard to figure out, like, how much of an outlier is an individual like this? How much of an outlier were they, but then how much did the initiative help? Because the way that you first described the work that you guys do, right? The education, the conflict resolution, being proactive, right? That it's not really always the outliers that you're speaking to, right? You, you almost need them to like, you know, quietly walk alongside you as someone to say like, hey, in real time, this person has done X, Y, and Z, but here's where other people are in the future. And, and I think you had that probably with your brother, your pastor, and things like that. So to see it from your perspective, 
it's got to be, uh, you know, pretty unique, empowering, um, and exciting time. So, it, you know, if Chris and I, or people listening to this episode, if we wanted to find ways to get involved in the Baltimore Initiative, right? Uh, if, you know, if we want to uh, have a curated experience through Shaw's Covenant, how do we, how do we get, you know, how, first, how do we get involved or what ways can we get involved? And I guess second, how, how do people get in touch with you, uh, <laughs> right? To, you know, on the business side and, and, and uh, you're just doing so many big things. I, I think it would be good to talk to, talk to that. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I guess the easiest way for you to find everything is if you just kind of follow me. <laughs> uh, I'll give all the other contact information as well, too. But, you know, on LinkedIn, uh, it's Justin Shaw. Um, Instagram, it's Classic Man Shaw or Clothier Shaw. I have two pages right there. Uh, personally, on Facebook, Justin Shaw. Um, if we're talking about on the business side, you can go with I'm sorry. Um, on the per I mean, business side, you know, you can go on LinkedIn, Shaw's Covenant Custom Clothier. Same thing with Instagram, Shaw's Covenant. Facebook, Shaw's Covenant Custom Clothier. The Initiative, Baltimore, same thing on LinkedIn, um, Instagram, and then Facebook. And then, you know, the websites, of course, with Shaw'sCovenant.com. And then the Initiative Baltimore. You, is it you're just everywhere, man. You are just everywhere. This is like, oh, it's incredible. So, yeah. So any ways, any events coming up or any ways that, um, you know, that people could play a part in the initiative, you know, specifically, um, you know, and in getting involved. So right now we do not have a open event that's going on. Um, right now we have, we already scheduled what we're doing in August, but that's like a private workshop uh, that we're partnering with. Um, so if people just reach out to us and, uh, basically kind of get put on the list we can definitely utilize them in any way possible and they said they're great with you know marketing or if they're good with fundraising are they good with curriculum development or mentorship or outreach to find other individuals that we would want to have in the organization in terms of like whether it's the children uh, schools or anything like that we, we can use really anything um, because as we grow we want to make sure that we build a team that can help us sustain uh, the impact that we want to make. That's awesome. Um, and, and of course, we'll we'll have um, all the links uh, that you and, and uh, as many of the links as we can remember to uh, connect with uh, Justin on uh, the uh, in the show notes and on the webpage. But Justin, just a couple more questions. Um, you know, just uh, because you are um, all about big vision, empowering young people, and, and um, you know uh, things along those lines. If if you were sitting down, knee to knee, face to face, with uh, someone just getting out of college, right, and you had to give them one piece of wisdom, uh, what what would that piece of wisdom be? It would be, I'm trying to frame it the right way because I know what it is, but I want to make sure I say it right. <laughs> well, we can talk it out. We can talk it out. So, yeah, I would say, because it's one thing, right? I would really tell them to face their fears. Like, like how we've been saying this entire time, kind of just go out there, 
on the whim and don't be afraid to go after what you want. Um, because one, I always say is it is it's being selfish when you don't go after what you're called to, uh, because someone else is attached to your vision and purpose. If I didn't do what I decided to do when I was 22, I wouldn't be able to do, uh, you know, what I do for men when it comes to suits or when it comes to the initiative and being able to help raise impact. And so your purpose is attached to somebody else. And if you don't go out there and actively find it or pursue it, then you're doing a disservice to someone else and not just yourself. And so that's always been my thing. If anybody's ever asked me, like, you know, if I not not if I could do anything different, but if there was one thing I could tell somebody to do, just go out there, even if you're afraid, because the worst thing that could happen is just a no. Then that that's literally it. Someone can only just tell you no. You can only be rejected and reject being rejected isn't a negative thing. It's just a door that's saying that's not where you're supposed to be. Find the next door. Right. So it's kind of failing faster. Uh, in a sense. So go out there and go with just uh, do what you're supposed to do or seek what you're supposed to do so you can be able to make the impact that you're supposed to make. And, and I love that your purpose is attached to another person. I, I like, I, I like, you know, I, I think I've known that, but I've never really thought about it in that way. And, and that, that, that's so key. That That's so important that even though you might think this purpose is about me or this initiative or this vision is about me, it really does impact other people. So so always wondering like, yeah, how does this purpose impact other people right there? Um, well, you know, Justin, like, I feel like we're going to have to grab coffee and talk a little bit more about your vision because I know uh, Matt brought us back down to earth with your vision for Baltimore, but uh, we've, we've had conversations about a Renaissance and, and uh, you know, think tanks and things like that in Baltimore. So we'll definitely connect, but you know, uh, just again, uh, pleasure to have you on the show. And um, for people who are listening, we'll have all of Justin's contact information uh, <laughs> that he's willing to share in our show notes. I definitely want to check out, um, you know, everything that he is doing from uh, the uh, initiative Baltimore and Shaw's Covenant. Uh, and so basically, Justin, thank you so much for being on the show and uh, we'll be in touch. Thank you. I appreciate you guys for having me. <laughs> Matt, once again, another great conversation, uh, this time with Justin. Uh, tell us, what are some of the takeaways? Uh, what are some of the things that stuck out in, in our conversation with Justin today? You know what? You kind of alluded to this in, like, before we even started the episode, you alluded to, um, you know, just how, you know, Justin's the type of guy that casts a really big vision. But, you know, what... I kind of caught in there is, you know, he saw himself as very humble and, you know, he, he's on this path, this journey of, of, you know, becoming a community leader and, and really trying to build up um, different aspects of Baltimore. But it really just started with one relationship, you know, to, to a degree with his brother that kind of helped him just learn and, and, and grow on his own and, and find his own path. And so, I thought that was really unique. You know, that was something I didn't know about him before. Yeah, I, I appreciated uh, how much he talked about the relationships with his brother and just people who poured into him and how that influenced him. And uh, and again, with the big vision, it, it like, it, as you said, he's humble. It, it wasn't arrogant. It was confidence. And I think that's so key and that's so important and something that we need to instill in one another is confidence in who you are. 
And the fact that he recognized that how he dresses and presents himself is just a way of, you know, amplifying that and, and showing and not in an inauthentic way. Right. Uh, because we talked about the imposter syndrome a little bit at the beginning, but it's more of like, hey, this is who I am. This is who God's created me to be. This is how I've been created. I'm not going to apologize about it because like there's nothing to apologize about. And, and and I took that as inspirational. I also was a little embarrassed because, you know, people don't know this, but I'm wearing a T-shirt while interviewing this like finely dressed guy. <laughs> but at the same time, yeah, I was like, no. you know what? what? Go ahead. Yeah. No, um, I was gonna say, you know, but he, he's not the type of guy that's even gonna, right, judge you for it, right? No, like, no, he, there's he, no shame. He's shaving. so authentic <laughs> that he allows, like, he allows other people to show up as their, their authentic selves. Right, and that's what he was like preaching, right? Is like, be your authentic, true self. Don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to like follow that vision, um, no matter how scary or big or audacious that is. And I think there's a lot that you can take from that, and so. Um, if you guys enjoyed this conversation with Justin, please uh, leave us a five-star review on Spotify or pod Apple Podcasts or anywhere that uh, this podcast can be heard. But um, Matt, any last thoughts uh, before we close things out here? No, I, you know, I, I, I think you, you know, you t we, we touched upon um, the vision, what he's looking to build, and and quite honestly, you know, I think we we talked about him being humble, and I thought one of my biggest key takeaways was, you know, lean into the fear uh, was the first thing. And I think that was probably the most impactful message he tried to get off towards the end was, uh, you know, leaning into the fear. And, and you know, at the same time, um, you know, it's not a fake until you make it yeah. right. It's, it's just a constant growth, a learning and surrounding yourself with the right people. And, and I'm just so, uh, so happy to have reconnected with Justin and, and, you know, I learned so much from him, just, uh, you know, personally and professionally. Definitely, definitely. So Matt and I are going to make an appointment going down to Shaw's Covenant to uh, uh, get finally dressed and everything. And uh, again, if you like this interview um, or any other conversation that we have, please leave a five-star review on uh, Apple Podcasts or uh, Spotify or anywhere this podcast uh, can be heard. And if you have comments or questions, feel free to reach out to us at info at between the miles.com or share this uh, podcast with people um, and bring them to uh, between the miles.com. And we'll have all of Justin's contact information in the show notes. Uh, and feel free also to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. And I'm Chris and with me is Matt. And we thank you for slowing down with us to talk to the people around us between the miles. This has been a Between the Miles production. Your hosts, Chris Wesley and Matt Wells. Music provided by Jan Studio, Wide Open Road. For more information, visit our website at betweenthemiles.com.